This is the Unsuitable Podcast. I'm Mary B. Seyfried, a communicator, creator, and coach passionate about filling the gap between what the church offers and what single Christians need. Each episode this season, we're going to explore what it looks like to form deep relationships as people who aren't married. This week, you're going to hear from Sarah Gardner. Sarah is an actress, singer, voiceover artist, humanitarian, and lover of adventure. Having moved from spending years in the nonprofit world working in the Middle East to hustling as a film actor on both the East and West Coast, her life has been anything but linear. She is also the creative director at Empower Women Media. On today's episode, you'll hear Sarah and I talk about how she learned to cultivate deep relationships, the life-changing event that drove her to seek authenticity in relationships, and how she has learned to be truly honest in her relationship with God. Just as a heads up, there is a mention of sexual abuse in our conversation and one baby swear word. Please listen at your own discretion. Before we hear from Sarah, I want to take just a minute to tell you about the awesome company Unsuitable is partnering with this season. As singles, sometimes it's easy to feel like the redheaded stepchildren of the church, which is why I've partnered with Rise of the Gingers to help sponsor this episode of Unsuitable. Rise of the Gingers is a t-shirt and accessory company made just for the 2%, the wrongfully alleged as soulless and often freckle engulfed ginger folks out there. If you're a ginger or know a ginger, head to riseofthegingers.com. Don't forget, this can also make the perfect gift. Use code UNSUITABLE10 for 10% off your order at riseofthegingers.com. Rise of the Gingers is created by gingers for gingers. You will not find better redhead swag anywhere else. Again, use code UNSUITABLE10 for 10% off your entire purchase. All right. Here's my conversation with Sarah. Hey, Sarah. How's it going? Hey. Good. How are you, Mary B? Doing good. Doing good. (laughs) Well, Sarah, I would love for you to start us off by just telling the people a little bit about yourself. Where? Whatever feels right in your soul for an introduction of yourself to the people. Yes, whatever feels right to the soul. Love that. A little bit about me. I am an actor. I am a singer. I am I'm a humanitarian as well. I've worked in the nonprofit world. Still do in some respects. I uh, A little history. I was born and raised in Kentucky in the South. And grew up going to church, doing the whole the whole thing, non-denominational. I wouldn't say we were super charismatic, but definitely, you know, prayed in tongues, all that kind of stuff. Grew up mom, dad, oldest of two, three. So my sister and my brother after me. When I was 18, decided to work with a nonprofit missions organization, moved to the Middle East with them, worked in several different partnered with several different organizations over there because I was living in the Middle East during the height of the Syrian civil war. And then towards my three and a half year mark over there, I prayed about it, thought about it and realized I wanted to be an actor. And just for background, I, I grew up as a dancer. I was I was in ballet my whole life. So the arts are not foreign to me at all. 
And so I ended up making a career pivot and applied and auditioned for a conservatory in New York City, got in, studied there. And now I'm working as an artist by Coastal, been in several short films, commercial voiceover. I'm just dabbling into that. Got a, did a big voiceover job last year, and that was super fun. And I'm also working as a creative director for an organization out in California called Empower Women Media, which works with women who are in the Middle East and they're filmmakers and empowering them to create media for their mission, which is cool because it's like everything I love in one sort of thing. So yeah, and I also work as an executive assistant to support my acting. All my artists and actor friends out there know that... You know, it is a blessing to be able to work as a full-time actor. And for many of us that are not there yet, we all have side hustles. So that is mine. And I'm really grateful for it. I would love to talk a little bit more. You know, you mentioned being bi-coastal and you also mentioned, you know, spending some time in the Middle East. And I think there's a lot about, be it humanitarian work or acting, the creative life that is fairly, can be fairly transitory where you're like moving around a lot. And I'd be interested to hear a little bit more about how, you know, that's maybe affected the kinds of relationships you've made or if you've been able to find a way to cultivate deep relationships through Mm. those kind of circumstances. Mm. Yeah, man, that is such a good question. I think something I realized about myself early on, probably like early on in my 20s, was that I really loved Something that makes me tick is I love to travel. I love meeting new people. I love new experiences. Anything with the adjective new in front of it is something I just really love. (laughs) Mm -hmm. And I think because I've chosen this lifestyle of, you know, my, I guess my first career, so to speak, you know, I was traveling a lot and, you know, within the Middle East and doing different things. And now as a performer and an actor and also traveling a lot, I've been very, 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 fortunate to have in each place that I'm in a community of people who I feel very close and connected with. I think something that I learned when I was in the Middle East through going going through some pretty hard things over there was that I can only go like the the depth of the friendships that I have in my life will only go as far as I'm willing to go as go deep with them. Like I I think I realized oh, if I want the depth of friendship and the connection and the intimacy that I really desire, I have to be vulnerable. Because I think for so long, I just thought, oh, you know, I just want all these friends around me all the time. And I just want everything to be exciting. But the richness of life for me has been found in really deep friendships. And I've had to choose to let myself share with people the good, the bad, the ugly, you know, with a chosen group of people. And that's how I feel like I've gotten these close friendships that have supported me everywhere that I've gone. I would love to hear if you have like a specific story you wanted to share about maybe, you know, you were sharing about friendships and a time where you, you know, when you realized you have to really buy in if you want your friendships to be at a certain level of depth. If you have a specific story about that. When I was in my early 20s, I was living in the Middle East and I was working there. I was also in Arabic language school because I was learning the language and I was also working with teams that were coming in. So I was fairly busy. During that time, I was sexually abused by a leader of the organization. Mm -hmm. And it was a pretty terrible event and a pretty terrible time. 
And I had been up until that point, I had been groomed by this person. I had been, there was just a lot of things up until that point that had happened. And I think it really took that event specifically for me to really break and be like, I, I can't pretend with people anymore. I think I realized I just, I need to have people in my life that know when I'm not doing well. Because I love, again, my personality, I love for things to be fun. I love for things to be enjoyable. I love people to feel like they're having fun when they're with me. And so when I'm not doing well or when I'm struggling, I didn't know how to let people in because I was never taught how to do that. Like if I'm having a quote unquote negative emotion, how do I let other people into that? And would people still love me and want to be my friend? So that was... I think because of that situation, I realized it it broke me to the point where I was like, I have to have deep relationships in my life. I can't do this alone. I started talking with a mentor from a church over there. She knew everything and she would always like pray with me, talk with me. It was just honestly the best thing, but I had to choose it. I had to choose to like, because I had, you know, people in my life who were asking me questions and things, but I could have just, you know done what I always did and just kind of put up, you know, walls, several walls. But I realized, first of all, I can't do this alone anymore. Second of all, I don't want to live life like this, where I constantly do not feel whole in my emotions. Mm. So through that time, and then through, you know, a lot of counseling afterwards, I realized, okay, like I, this is how I want to live my life with close people that we can share things together. I think that's how we were created to live. So, so yeah, that's kind of, again, I think with, with, when it comes to relationships, I'm not saying that you need to tell everybody everything. I don't think that's, I don't think that's, I don't know if that's healthy. I don't know. I feel like it's, I am an extrovert and I do love having a lot of friends, but also I think what I've realized is, oh, this person is a safe person or this person is somebody that I trust or this, like there are people in my life that I have specifically chosen for myself that, you know, these are the people I want to share this with. I want to, you know, and they, they have said that they are able and willing to listen and be there. And likewise for them, I want to, you know, I want to be the same for them as well. And so I feel like too, communication has been huge, just communicating with friendships. I think we talk, I mean, I'm sure you know this, but I, I hear book after book and couple after couple talking about the things to hold your marriage together why don't we talk about the things that can hold your friendships together? I just think some of the same things apply. Like, I think if you have a really close friend, and you want to hold on to that person, you also need to make sure that you're communicating with them honestly, and authentically as possible. And I haven't done that all the time. One of my really good friends, I would like to say that I'm a I'm okay with conflict. But I think deep down, I really, I don't know anybody that likes conflict, but some people are better at it than others, I guess I don't Again, I don't always enjoy it. But one of my friends, she's really taught me like, hey, there's power in just naming something and like talking about it. And even if it's awkward for a moment, even if it's just not fun for the both of us, it's always better. And our friendship is so much richer because she's taught me that. So, yeah. Yeah. I'm curious to hear a little more about, you know, kind of in the aftermath of aftermath of that experience. I feel like there would have been a bit of a learning curve for you to like 
learn how to be in relationships in an authentic way and also learn how to tell who is safe and who isn't, especially after an experience of abuse. Those, you know, it can get, I would imagine, a little confusing and there's trauma involved in that as well. But just as you were kind of walking through the healing process, you know, what what maybe was helpful for you? What were some things that you wish you had maybe done differently? You know, was there like, what was the learning curve like mm. through that? Mm-hmm. You know, I, I feel like I'm still learning. I feel like it's still, yeah. you know, I feel like I've come so far, way healthier, way um, more trusting of other people. But of course, I'm still, it's still a process. I think what really helped at the time, I had a couple of really good friends who we were already good friends. So when everything really happened, they were the ones who they they knew this person, they, so they knew how they were. And that was key for me. And one of one of my friends actually was in town kind of when the biggest event occurred. I think having her outside perspective, because she didn't know this person as well was huge for me to like have my eyes be open to what was going on. I also realized quite early on that I was very much traumatized. And so I needed to go to therapy, which I did and was life changing. And I think just really through therapy, through having people around me who were there, I think realizing my own relational patterns that were not helpful. And I'm not saying really want to be careful here. I'm not saying that I was to blame for any of the sexual abuse that happened because I wasn't. That was that person's shit. Can I cuss? That was that person's shit. And for me, I I had to be honest with my own. So that was separate from my own sort of process of being like, why do I always want love so much that I'll do anything for it? Why, you know, exploring all these different things. And that was what therapy really helped me be aware of you know, from childhood and different things like that. So I think and also I think truly making the career switch that I did was super helpful as well. Because I think once I once that happened, and I started the healing journey from that event, I realized, oh, I love nonprofit work. But I think I'm actually meant to be doing this. And it was just like Mm -hmm. this, I was, my eyes were open, I truly believe it was God, like, I remember I was in a taxi going back to my apartment one night and I had a good night with friends. I was going back to my apartment in the Middle East and I just felt like God said, like, you can leave now. You can go like this is the time for you to go and do this. And I was like, "Okay." And so I think that also like because of me being broken to the point of just complete and almost utter pain and hurt. I think being broken also was in a way necessary because I realized, oh, like this is what I really want to do. And these other Mm -hmm. things are not really not as important anymore. Again, I want to clarify that should have never happened to me. That should have that. But I think I truly believe that God used it as a catalyst for me awakening to so many other things that are true about who I was created to be. Mm. Yeah. And thank you for, you know, clarifying that because I think that in conversations of abuse and trauma, especially in Christian circles, there can definitely be that like spiritual bypassing thing of like, well, God means everything for good and so it's fine and it's fine and let's just not talk about it, which is mm-hmm. obviously super harmful and toxic in Absolutely. its own way. So I 
really appreciate you mm-hmm. taking the time to clarify that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Oh, I think it's a huge clear. I think I agree with you. I, I hate when that happens, like vehemently with like a passion. Cause I'm just like, that's not, yes, I do believe that God is so much bigger than us and he can literally use anything, the good, the bad, the ugly, but that doesn't mean that that should have ever happened, that God willed mm-hmm. that to happen. I don't believe any of that. And also I'm so passionate about, you know, bringing more awareness to that, you know, this can happen anywhere. Like any yeah. sexual harassment, sexual abuse can happen anywhere, even in a missions organization. Yep. And I think we would do ourselves a great favor to remain aware and open and call it out for when it happens. It doesn't mean that the whole missions organization is bad or the church is bad. It just means that this can happen anywhere and we have to do something about it and be be aware of it. So yeah, I'm happy to clarify anytime. And I so agree with you. I think it's spiritual bypassing at its finest, truly, to just be like, well, you know, it's okay. God's got it. I'm like, okay, but therapy has a place. You know, this has a place. Like you have to do these things afterwards as well. Yeah. Yeah, I'd be interested to hear a little more specifically what your faith journey has looked like in the last however many years it's been. I think working in a nonprofit Christian missions organization, my faith looks, it looks so much different now, more different now than it did before, especially when I was working with them. I actually think part of it was because I was working and living among Muslims Mm. and some of my friends who I made there were not even Christian, they were Muslim. And I think that's when I kind of started asking questions about like, why are we evangelizing? Like, why are we Mm -hmm. like, I just started kind of like asking a lot of like, personal questions to myself. And then moving to New York City, really was the catalyst for the deconstruction of my faith. Because like I said before, I grew up non-denominational in church, never questioned it. That's just how it was. And I never really had a chance to wrestle with my faith. I never had a chance to say, I just, you know, and again, I do, I had seen, you know, and I think I had seen so much of like God moving in my life. And I'd seen like, quote unquote, proof that I just never questioned certain things. But I think within the last five years, I've really allowed myself to be more honest about my thoughts about it's less to do with who God is and more the church itself and the teachings yeah. of the church, especially yeah. in America. And why do we believe these things? Why do we do these things? It's scary because it feels like an I- part of your identity is starting to kind of go away and you don't know what's going to replace it. And so, you know, at this point, I feel like in some ways my faith is stronger than ever because I feel like I can be so authentic with God. Mm. Like this past, I mean, this past year especially was hard for all of us. And I think there were many points during this past year where I would just literally cry out, like literally cry out and, and just anger. And just so I've just been so angry at God for so many things. And I usually after I'm done crying, I'm like, wow, I can't believe I let myself be angry at God. Like I, sometimes I have to like, take a step back and be like, okay, actually, I think I'm doing like the fact that I feel like I can be this honest is such a huge win for me. Cause I think for so long, I felt like I couldn't be honest with the creator of who I am. Like, and I, I I think again, that's something that I don't know what it's called, but I think that's something taught in church is like, you always have to put a bow on the end of it. Like the, 
like God is good or whatever. And I felt like I could never really be myself. So I, so I'm still learning so much, but my view on missions has changed. My view on evangelizing has greatly, greatly, greatly changed. My view on so many things have changed because I've met God in the strangest places, like places that Mm -hmm. as a child and a teenager, I was taught maybe subconsciously that that isn't a place God exists. But I think it's so much more wild and so much more big and so much more beautiful than we could all ever dare imagine. And I'm learning to embrace the mystery of that more as opposed to in my early 20s where I felt like I had to have all the answers because I'm a missionary. Like this is who... And I denied myself the ability to explore. So my faith is stronger in some ways. It feels scarier in some ways because I'm a lot more just honest about it. But I guess I'd rather be that than deny, I think. Mm, Yeah. It was so relatable, all of the Mm. things that you're saying. I mean, especially for, well, I'll say particularly for me. can't speak for the specific experiences of my listeners, but I think a lot of people are in a similar situation of like really like coming to terms with a lot of the stuff that American Christianity has done and peddled that is like, oh, is that actually in line with who God is? I don't know. And to really like, it's interesting because I I felt the same way about God and like didn't necessarily realize I was feeling the same way about God of like this, you know, I go back and I read old prayer journals and it's just so like put together. It's like so like formulaic almost where I like, I don't know. I, I wonder if it's like has to, to do with this teaching of like being, you know, praising God or expressing gratitude in the midst of suffering or something, you know, like that, where you kind of feel, I kind of felt like in order to be entitled to expressing certain things, I had to first be grateful for all of the things that I did have. Oh my gosh. That sentence that you just said is so true. Like, I mean, I'm sure we were taught this somewhere at some points, but I so resonate with that. Yes. Because I felt like, oh, in order to approach God, I have to say all the things that I'm grateful for and make sure he knows that I adore him. And he's, and instead of just, you know, coming as I am being a person, being a person and just being human. And I, 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 so, I mean, I think gratefulness is a good practice in many ways, but I also think again, for, for you and for me, it can be harmful when we think that this is what we have to do in order to approach God with who we are. I just think it can get very, it's very religious and very formulaic. Mm -hmm. I love that word. And Mm -hmm. there's freedom from that. There can be freedom from that. There comes a point where you have to be unafraid to take the journey because Mm -hmm. And and I think I've had to realize, like, if I if my mind is changed, I can't be afraid of that. You know, maybe it's a good thing yeah. that I'm okay and I'm willing to change my mind about things. I think that's mm. that's what I admire in other people as a teachable spirit. So like, why would I not try to see both sides of things? Why would I not try to like, you know, open my mind to learn perspectives that maybe I didn't even think about or they didn't occur to mm. me? So I think just like releasing that part of whatever you want to call it, your ego or whatever it is, that has been really helpful for me. It's scary sometimes to lose what you've known, 
for so long and to just be like, oh, because even even if you want to lose it so badly and you don't want it anymore, it's still scary. But yeah. I think it's thousand percent worth it in the end. Yeah, for sure. Well, we are running out of time. And so I want to make sure we get to the last couple of things. And the first is how we can support you. Where can we find you on the interwebs? interwebs. What is helpful for you? You guys, well, thank you for asking. First of all, everyone can find me on Instagram. I live there. My artist handle is at Sarah Gardner artist. Cool. And will you tell me one thing that's hard right now and one thing that's great? So I actually thought about this a little bit and I, and right, right now it still feels like the answer. I think what's actually been hard for me and what's been great for me are the same. And that is that I am in therapy again, which Mm. is, it's been very difficult, but I am so glad I'm doing it. And I mean, every time I go back, it's just, I'm like, I knew. And I'm glad that I trusted myself in the beginning of the year to be like, okay, I think it's time. I'm calling it. I'm calling it. It's time to go back to therapy. Mm -hmm. So it's been incredibly difficult, incredibly difficult because right now we're going through family stuff, which I think is difficult in its own. It's just in its own camp. But Mm -hmm. but also it's been good because I feel a lot more whole and I feel a Mm -hmm. lot more at peace than I did at the end of last year. So I would say it's both hard and hard and good all at once. And also I would say once, uh, well, another hard thing would be this year, but we already know that. But a good thing is if you guys don't know, Trader Joe's has, <laughs> Trader Joe's has these milk chocolate covered pretzels that are filled with peanut butter that are a true oh. godsend. I highly recommend if you like chocolate and peanut butter and, and pretzels to buy them. So you know, I, I usually eat them after a hard thing, which is therapy. So I feel like it all balances out. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well, Sarah, thank you so much for being here. And thank you for sharing everything that you did. Thank you guys for having me. Thank you, Mary B. so much. This was honestly, this was so fun. And yeah, thank you. You can follow Sarah on Instagram at Sarah Gardner Artist. If you're a single Christian, you've probably found yourself in some derpy situations. You know, like when someone you barely know starts talking about your biological clock or asks, why are you single? It's hard to know how to respond. And it seems like nobody's talking about how weird these situations really are. That's why I created the Single Christian Derptitude Test. It's like a fun aptitude test for navigating the derpy things that happen to singles at church. What if I told you that you have a social superpower that can keep you from losing your ever-living mind in these situations? Find out yours at marybsafert.com backslash quiz. Thanks for listening, and thanks to Rise of the Gingers for partnering on today's episode. Just as a heads up, I am an affiliate of Rise of the Gingers, which means I get a wee percentage of each sale at no cost to you. This season of Unsuitable with Mary B. Saferit is produced by me, Mary B. Saferit. Sound engineering is by Bijoy Ahmed, and the theme music is by Chad Rollinson. That's all for now. Catch y'all on the flippy flop.